All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, July 18th of 2022, the first day of the MLB All-Star break for this year. We've got the Home Run Derby on tap here tonight. Uh, so no DFS, at least no baseball DFS, no kind of traditional uh, DFS, but we do have uh, at least some fun uh, baseball stuff to watch on, TF on uh, TV here tonight. Before we jump in, uh, let me know who you guys like for the home run derby here tonight. Uh, I, uh, I placed one bet this morning here. Uh, last year, I, uh, I bet on a couple different guys in the home run derby. I always like to do a little bit of betting, just makes, makes it a little bit fun. You get something to sweat going on. I have one uh, bet. I was one line I liked this morning here. So uh, I will tell you guys maybe here closer to the end of the show uh, who I'm on for the home run derby, but interested to hear. Uh, so in the chat uh, or in a comment, if you're watching the recording of this, let me know who you like for the home run derby tonight uh, and uh, who who you are picking to win. Um, but we've got uh, still some questions in the queue here today. We've got a, a good show planned. We've got a question about, um, you know, how much does the SaberSim do for you in terms of building good lineups? What does it do for you? How much can SaberSim just be trusted to just build you the best lineups as possible, where are some opportunities to add value? I think it's always a good opportunity here um, to to go from there. Um, there's a couple other questions. Uh, I saw somebody had asked about um, NFL best ball, which is not something that uh, at the moment Saber Sam strictly supports, but I do think, uh, especially over the All Star break, uh, kind of fun to uh, to talk about here because we have a little bit more time. And then a question about um, max entries and and contest selection. So we'll dive into it a little bit there as well. Um, but before we get started, first of all, if you are watching this for the first time or listening to this for the first time and you're like, who is this guy? What's going on here? First of all, my name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at SaberSim. Uh, and on office hours, I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. Uh, so if you have questions you'd like me to answer on the show, uh, you can post them in the YouTube chat or the comments. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, you can post your questions into the office hours channel in Slack which there is a link to join the Slack community in the description of all past shows. And you can always email us support at sabersim.com as well. Um, and we'll go ahead and, and just dive into it here. So uh, we'll get the app pulled up. We'll use uh, yesterday's slate as a bit of our demo slate here today. And I just realized uh, actually, before I do that, let's pull that back down. Uh, I've got my ultra wide monitor here um, going and that resolution when I don't change it is super tiny. So let's get you guys a, Let's get you something that you can actually see here uh, before we start going into things here. Uh, and that, yeah, that should look a lot better. So we'll use yesterday's slate as uh, our demo for anything that we need to, to demo here today um, and go from there. So Patrick had, speaking of bets, I take it that you're not a fan of Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, Patrick must follow me on Twitter. Barstool uh, did right by me. Uh, they, they corrected the wrong. Um, so uh, I won't go into detail here uh, into it on stream. Um, but if you want to see uh, the, the story there, you can find it on my Twitter. Uh, it's at Jordan M. Chand. Um, but basically a risk-free bet that uh, I used signing up with Barstool the first time was not awarded out uh, risk-free when the bet lost. Um, had to had to jump through some hoops to, to, to get that money back to me. But they did, they did fix the wrong there. So uh, all good with Barstool in, in my book. Um, so I am, uh, I am now well up on them, uh, as well. So, uh, the Barstool, I think, um, I don't know, doing fine there. 
So anyway, let's go ahead. Let's actually start answering some questions here. Um, I wanted to start, this one came in via email here. Um, let me make sure I've got the full text of this. This is a good one for us to start with. Uh, good opportunity to talk about what what SaberSim does, what 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 makes SaberSim special really here. Um, and uh, let me get this pulled up here. Um, okay, cool. So this is from uh, Tim. And it sounds like Tim is on his trial or somewhat new to SaberSim. So well, first of all, welcome, Tim. But he said, uh, I guess my biggest question would be about SaberSim and particularly the optimizer. If I select GPP, contest size, and how many lineups I would like before generating the lineups, uh, how much should I trust what it spit out or uh, and or should I be making many adjustments to hopefully get the perfect GPP lineup? I ask because coming from uh, Army, you had to set a ton of rules and play with the exposures to get anywhere near what you would like. Yeah, so really good question. And I think the way I should actually, I want to start this is just kind of contrasting uh, traditional optimizers, other DFS optimizers out there from what SaberSim is doing. Because it, when you first hit SaberSim, like it's your first day of the trial, uh, I think a lot visually will look pretty familiar, which is our goal, right? We want the app to, you know, we don't want uh, anybody hitting SaberSim and being completely lost on what's going on here. Uh, but because there's a lot going on behind the scenes, I think it's easy to uh, kind of miss miss some of the value here. So first of all, what a traditional optimizer does, right? What what I mean, every other optimizer on the market, what it does is it is optimizing for the average performance of players, right? You are giving it average projections, which is like the mean, this is what we expect to have happen on average. And then you are optimizing to build the best average projected lineup possible. In other words, you're you're really optimizing for for cash lineups, right? That is what left to its own devices uh, a, a, an optimizer will do. And that is why, uh, as Tim points out here, to get it to do what you want it to do, you have to set a ton of rules and play with exposures and, and do all this stuff, right? Average projections on their own and lineups optimized for average projections are not necessarily or generally are not predictive of upside, right? A lineup that projects well on average does not necessarily have, have upside. Uh, it misses things like correlation, right? An uh, average average projections alone, if we look at the average projections for the Yankees, for example, right? These numbers, especially in the context of all of the other hitting projections on the slate, would not indicate to us that uh, when Anthony Rizzo does well, it's likely that Aaron Judge is more likely to do well, right? Those players have a positive correlation. The traditional optimizers don't account for correlation, so you have to do things like setting stacking rules, right? They don't. All, they also don't take into account correlation, right? That's another big one. In a DFS tournament, our goal is not to just come up with the like highest actual scoring lineup, right? It is to beat all the other lineups in a contest, right? Put another way, there is a value. Your goal is to get fantasy points that other people do not have. A fantasy point rostered by 50% of the field is by definition less valuable than a fantasy point that is earned by 10% of the field, right? Because it is, you are trying to beat those lineups, right? You are not, the goal in most contests is not score 200 points. It's come in first or come in the top 1% amongst all lineups. So there's more value to have lower owned players in your lineups, right? Traditional optimizers don't deal with that problem very well either. It optimizes above all else for the highest average projected lineup, ownership agnostic, and you are left trying to come up with generally vague rules of thumb or heuristics about how you're going to handle ownership. So you get things like uh, set a rule so I have to have at least three players under 5% owned in my lineup, or do not exceed a total lineup ownership of 125%, which are just rules that at some point 
somebody probably made up and got passed around and it kind of approximates doing the thing that you're trying to do, but it doesn't actually do the thing that well, or it, or it doesn't, it's not an analytical answer to ownership. Traditional optimizers don't deal with ownership. And finally, the last thing that traditional optimizers really don't do well with uh, is approximating or estimating the range of outcomes of a player. Right. So we just mentioned average projections, right? Left, left to again, left to its own devices completely. A traditional optimizer is going to assume a player hits their exact average 100% of the time, right? If you do nothing else, which doesn't even make any sense. And you can tell that doesn't make any sense very quickly because a guy like Aaron Judge can't even score 8.35 points, right? Like optimizing for that and assuming that that's the outcome that's going to occur 100% of the time, like that. If you've ever watched a baseball game, you know immediately that intuitively makes no sense, but you can even tell mathematically that that. There's something wrong there because 8.35 points isn't even a possible outcome. But to make matters worse, the tools, the rudimentary tools that most traditional optimizers have to kind of solve that problem also kind of suck, right? Randomness is something that you'll see pretty often, right? A lot of slider, a lot of optimizers have randomness. Well, what, what is randomness trying to do? It's, it's whoever made that optimizer saying, well, okay, I get that a player doesn't score they're average every time. So you can add this randomness slider, which will kind of basically say, here's a here's a bucket of, of possible outcomes and we'll randomly pick an outcome for that player for this given lineup of where they end up. But the problem with that is most of the time, at least as far as I've seen on every other optimizer out there, they assume that a player's range of outcomes is normally distributed, meaning that their mean, their average is their most common outcome. And there's a bell curve around that for all of those other outcomes. Right. So if Aaron Judge's average outcome is 8.35 and we apply, uh, you know, a, um, you know, a little bit over 10 percent randomness or something like that. Well, now he has this floor of, you know, probably around seven points and his ceiling is around nine points and his actual outcome for a given lineup is somewhere in between there. Right. But if we click on what Aaron Judge's outcomes actually look like in our simulations, we can see how bad that approximation is. Right. The real range of outcomes for a hitter generally looks something like this, where their most common outcomes are zero or very close to zero. Uh, their um, mean is kind of almost somewhat of an arbitrary outcome here, um, close to that that tail of, of very common low scoring outcomes. And then they have this big um, ceiling. Actually, I guess this is better described as a tail, right? Um, this big ceiling outcome tail here going to like 30, 40, points, right? And and we can look at a pitcher and see how that's different, right? How a pitcher's range of outcomes is actually very far different than that. We look at Garrett Cole. This is also pretty typical, right? We look at a, a pitcher like this, uh, you'll see um, 27.39 where their mean is, you know, somewhere in here. The actual most common outcomes are a little bit higher scoring than that. There's a huge downside potential, right? If any pitcher just gets lit up in the first inning and gets taken out, it can happen to anybody. Uh, you have this like big downside potential. Um, most of the common, most of the most common outcomes are a little bit higher than the mean, right? And this is true, you know, like let's go look at Aaron Nola from last night, right? At least for aces, right? This is kind of a common thing, right? So, um, you know, similar deal here, right? Average projection around 23.84 points. Long tail of downside. Most common outcomes are a little bit higher than the average, right? So, Three things, at least of, of many, that traditional optimizers do not well in terms of building lineups with upside. Well, SaberSim is basically built to build lineups for upside, right? We designed SaberSim from the ground up to build lineups with upside by taking these things into account in a more dynamic way, right? So it starts... 
from, and I know I, I'm probably saying things that, you know, if you watch the video on the YouTube channel uh, or you watch the video on our help documentation or uh, on the website, right? You've probably heard some of this before, but uh, when I'm, when I, to answer the question of like, what does SaberSim do well? How much can lineups be trusted? How much, how can you add value? I think I have to start with this stuff because this is, this is the foundation of how it's built, right? So to, to build lineups with upside and starting with, you know, understanding a player's true ranges of outcomes uh, and, and, um, incorporating correlations and things like that, you have to simulate games, right? You can't just work with averages. Uh, averages need to, averages describe our way of visualizing the full set of outcomes for a player or, or anything really. But if you are going to, you know, try to actually come up with what, what those outcomes look like, you need to basically develop the full range yourself, which starts with, with simulations. That's why we simulate these games. So uh, when we say Aaron Nola's range of outcomes looks like this, this is coming directly from our play-by-play -play game simulations of the Phillies and Marlins game, right? These are actually how his different outcomes come out, right? And when we say, you know, let's go back to Aaron Judge, right? Um, or, you know, we'll just pick Acuna here in this case. When we say uh, uh Acuna is, you know, has these correlation values to the other hitters in the Braves lineup, right? These are coming from our simulations. You could not, you could not come up with this in any way beyond a guess or an educated guess uh, if you were just working with averages, right? These, these come directly from our simulations, right? Now, when you build lineups with SaberSim, we figure out how to leverage these different factors here in accordance to what size contest you're playing, right? So we have, how much do you want to value correlation? How much do you want to consider ownership? Uh, how much do you want to consider the uh, range of outcomes or, or how wide do you want your range of outcomes to be in your lineups, right? The sim precision slider is really cool. This basically controls how many simulations we're looking at. So if you are if you use the default value for a 20 max for a 10 to 50K contest, uh, you'll see we're pulling a projection from 28 simulations of our thousands of simulations of each game, right? We're not... We're not using a normally distributed average, right? Or we're not we're not using a normally distributed fake set of outcomes, right? We're pulling from real game simulation outcomes, uh, twenty eight of them per lineup for this for this particular example, right? And all of this is adjusted uh, to the contest you are playing, right? So you know, for a single entry, we need a different strategy than we do for a large field contest. If you want to know a lot more about how each of these sliders work. Um, Boom, how our sliders work. Uh, this will go into a lot more detail than I'm going to go right now, um, or at least some more detail here. Um, I, I know this question is not really specifically about the sliders, but um, I wanted to touch on that, right? So now let's actually build some lineups and talk about what's actually happening here, right? So we get it. Traditional optimizers don't think about upside. Uh, SaberSim leverages our simulations and an optimizer that was actually built to build lineups taking into account upside. Uh, that adjusts dynamically for contests. Now, what does that actually mean on a practical level? What do you do with this? Are the lineups perfect? Should you never do anything? Uh, are there some things that you should do? What should you do, right? The answer is basically the lineups that you get from SaberSim, assuming you are building with the default settings for a particular contest, I would say will give you a, the strongest foundation possible for which from which you can take into your contests. Right. If you have very limited time and maybe you don't have a ton of expertise about the particular sport that you are playing, the lineups that you get right out of the box without making any adjustments might be the best lineups that you can enter. And they will be far and away much better than you would get out of any traditional optimizer. If you have a lot of time, 
uh, or maybe you have been playing baseball DFS for years and you're really familiar with uh, baseball strategy and know what you want to do, there are a lot of different ways that you can add value to different parts of the process. But by default, Sabersim will give you an excellent foundation of how you might want to tackle the slate. And you can actually see it, right? We can come in here, you know, first of all, uh, interesting slate yesterday where we had these two elite aces up top, both of whom also just had extremely good days. Uh, so we're getting a ton of exposure to Garrett Cole and, and Aaron Nola here. But you can look at our, our batting exposures, right? We're not overwhelmingly too far exposed to like any one play here, you know, considering how variant uh, hitters are, right? I think for 20 lineups, 65, 45% ownership uh, is, is like a decent place to start. We're getting uh, good stacks. We're getting five, three stacks, five, two stacks, four, two, twos. If we actually look at the lineups, none of these lineups are just jamming in shock everywhere, right? There's, you know, uh, at least some lower own plays showing up in here, right? These lineups start with a strong foundation, right? Um, so, how much should I trust what is spit out? You should trust what is spit out insofar as you should know that that is probably a very strong foundation of how you could play that slate, whether that's with your lineup construction, whether that's what uh, chalk you think is good or bad, uh, whether that's your exposure to different individual players. In general, these 20 lineups are going to be a very good place to work from for this kind of contest, right? There are absolutely ways to add value and make adjustments, and that is you know, 85, 90% of what I talk about on the stream every week or every day, right? Every Monday through Friday, I come on here, I ask, I answer questions, you know, people maybe will say, uh, you know, hey, I'm experimenting with looking into this particular thing and making adjustments this way, uh, or I'm doing that. And I offer kind of my my ideas, my feedback on things like that. Um, I've talked a ton on this stream at length about some of my favorite ways to add value to Saber Sim, uh, which is running what I call research builds, which are uh, builds basically used uh, to look at kind of the raw SIM data. So I run builds at uh, 0, 0, 010 settings, right? I optimize lineups for uh, basically single simulation outcomes. And I compare how often a player shows up in the optimal lineup versus what their ownership is. And I make a lot of ownership-based decisions uh, that direction. Um, there are a lot of different ways to add value. There are also a ton of vi sports-specific videos on our YouTube channel that talk about what I think are the best ways to make adjustments for individual sports, right? Uh, what are the best things to look at for, for baseball versus tennis, for example? Um, as you are getting familiar with SaberSim, though, I want to make this kind of practical. I, I want to leave, I wanna, uh, leave this question with something practical. I think there are, are a few different places and a few different ways that are the best opportunities to, to make adjustments here. Um, and most of them are going to come in the post-build part of the process. Right. So one of the things that's really cool about SaberSim, among all this other stuff that I've been talking about, is that when you actually build these lineups, we don't just build you the number of lineups you need. Right. So you're not this is a 20 max build, but you're not just getting 20 lineups, you're getting 500. And that lets you make a lot of adjustments here after the lineups have been built without having to go back and start over because there was something that you didn't like. Right. So what the other thing that is nice about that uh, and. I think especially when you're first getting started started out with Saber Sim, that is really helpful about that is these 500 lineups are already, they're already good. They're viable for this contest, right? So there's a ranking system here that we use. We call it Saber Score to basically say, hey, these are the ones we think are the best lineups. But this lineup, this pool of 500, all of these lineups are, are good, right? So you can make adjustments here and feel somewhat safe about them because they 
this was an entire, all you're trying to do is pick 20 out of a pool of 500 that's viable for the contest. So the number one best thing I can recommend doing when you're first getting started out with SaberSim is looking at your exposures and making sure that you are comfortable with the level of risk associated with your exposures, right? Pitchers is a really good example here, right? I think there are going to be some people listening to this that are going to be like 80% Garrett, or sorry, 100% Garrett Cole, 90% Aaron Nola in 20 lineups. That is crazy. I would I would never be comfortable being that exposed to any one pitcher, much less a, basically a combination of two pitchers that are that highly exposed, right? There are going to be others of you probably listening that say, that's all good with me. In fact, when I play 20 lineups, most of the time, I just pick two pitchers and I play them in every single lineup, right? Making sure that this number, you are comfortable with the risk associated with this is, is probably the overall best thing that you can do early on. For me, I always look at my hitting exposures. And if I'm playing 20 lineups, kind of a general rule of thumb that I like to work with is I will I will be a little bit cautious exceeding, you know, 30, 35, 40% exposure to any one hitter in a pool of 20, uh, just because I like to be pretty diversified on my hitters, right? Hitters have a wide range of outcomes. In this case, this was an eight game slate, 16 teams playing baseball. I kind of want to spread out, especially if I already know I'm going to be pretty condensed on my pitchers. I want to spread out on the hitters. So I might go in here and adjust my maximum exposure to hitters here until I have about 40% maximum, right? And what's happening here is we're resorting this pool of lineups here to find the new best 20 where these exposures are honored, right? I get a little bit less exposure to the Mets, uh, get a little bit more Brave stacks. It looks like a little bit of Oakland here, some Tampa Bay, right? And I'm spreading out, right? And, and we're, we're pulling from a pool of lineups that were already optimized for this contest, that's kind of what I mean of, of this is a low risk adjustment, but you could also make strategic decisions here, right? Maybe you were researching this slate here. Um, and let's just take a look. Um, trying to remind myself what I thought about this particular slate. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe we'll just even take the benefit of hindsight, right? Maybe you thought that Dylan Cease was going overlooked in this particular situation, right? We have Garrett Cole, 60% projected owned, uh, Showing up massively, all projection models love him. Aaron Nola, 40% owned. Projection models love him. Everybody's going to end up with, nobody's talking about Dylan Cease, right? And yeah, tough matchup, but clear strikeout upside, right? Again, speaking here with the benefit of hindsight, because I know how yesterday's slate went, but maybe you thought there was a good opportunity there, right? So you're making a strategic decision and saying, I want to get some exposure to Dylan Cease, right? I want 50% exposure. I want 10, I want 10 Dylan Cease lineups. Well, you can do that as well. And we're going to pull this pool of 500 lineups here and pull from that 20 where you have at least 50% Dylan Cease, right? And that would be kind of a strategic decision. Maybe, you know, maybe that came from an article or a video you watched about the slate that made you feel confident about that. Maybe that was in your own research into, you know, some other stats or, or matchup or something like that, right? You can make that adjustment. But the reason why I recommend starting here, starting within the build, when you first get started out with SaberSim is because you can do so, you do so in a way that does not necessarily, you are not uh, pushing your opinions onto the app, at least to start. You are asking the sim unopinionated, what are the best 500 lineups you can play in this contest? And then being opinionated in the way that you select those lineups out, which I think is safer than coming back over to the projections tab and making a bunch of adjustments here. Not to say there's no value that can be added by making adjustments to projections. I do a ton of this, right? There's a lot of times where I'll even, uh, you know, there's situations where I'm adjusting almost every player's projection on the slate. Most of the time, because I'm trying to leverage ownership or something like that, right? Um, but if you come over here and then bump up, you know, Dylan Cease here, um, 
you know, this is a more opinionated change, right? This is going to have a bigger effect on, on the app, which can be a good thing, but it's a little bit of a riskier change, right? So um, I want to make sure, let me, let me review this uh, question and make sure that I'm really getting at what, what the nuts of this is here. Um, so like how much should I trust what is spit out or should I be making uh, many adjustments to hopefully get the perfect GPP lineup? So what I would say is when you build your lineups, right? I would, I would recommend starting with keeping things kind of by default. Use, use the correct settings for the contest that you are playing, right? That's a very important step. You want lineups that are optimized for that contest, right? And then on this post build screen, I would treat Saber score as essentially a tiebreaker. And I would trust that you're going to get good lineups in this build, no matter what, but to make adjustments as you see fit to get the kinds of lineups you want from, from your pool here, right? If you are uncomfortable with the level of risk you are taking on because of how high some of the exposures are for certain players, pull down their maximum exposure. If you want to condense more, right? Maybe you say, maybe you say you want to do something crazy and you want to just like, uh, what? Lock, Cole, and Cease. Oops. That's not what I meant to have happen there. Um, maybe you want to just like lock, Cole, and Cease, right? If you want to be more exposed, do that. Uh, in this case, we're getting a message that we can't Okay, so this is actually a good example. In this case, we're getting a message that we can't find 500 lineups uh, or we can't find 20 lineups from our pool of 500 that match this. This is a good indication that maybe you are going too far. So maybe you pull off the gas a little bit here, right? Uh, and, you know, come back to... Um, hang on. There we go. Um, maybe you come back to, you know, maybe we get... 100% coal, 50% cease or something like that, right? But other, otherwise, make as many adjustments as you feel like you want to in this post-build screen and know that you're probably going to end up still playing very strong lineups overall with your own individual little twist on it. And I think that's the best way, at least as somebody getting familiar with what SaberSim has to offer to use the app. So um, you do not need to set the kinds of rules and groups and stacking rules and all of that before the build, like you are probably used to if you're using a traditional optimizer, because by default, we know what a good lineup looks like. That's the simplest way I can put it, right? So you're getting 500 good lineups. You can choose of those what 20 you want to make to make them better. So, uh, Tim, let me know if that helps. Uh, that's kind of my, here I am talking, I've been talking for 25 minutes about this. Uh, it always goes fast when I get questions like these, cause I get excited. So let me know if that helps. If there's anything you're confused by, uh, that you don't get, um, there are, you know, little, these little question mark icons all over the app that like the goal here is to, to answer any questions. So if you're like, if you get to the post build screen and you're like, I don't really get what I'm supposed to be doing here. Um, or, or actually, you know, we talked a lot about that one here. So like maybe you're on the, the build setting screens and you're like, I don't really get what I'm supposed to be doing here. I know Jordan said, uh, to just put in my contest and roll with it, but what about all this other stuff? What's going on here? Right. Click this little thing takes you to the right video in our help docs to, to get you started there. So, but if you have any other questions, always happy to, to help answer, um, more, more questions. So, okay. Uh, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Okay. Um, good question here from Matt, uh, about, you know, filling up contests here. Um, and, uh, he said, hey, Jordan, I'm sure you've addressed this previously, but is there a recommendation of how many lineups to enter if I don't want to enter the max? I think it would be based on the total entries in the GPP 
Uh, is there some basic formula that I could apply to different sports across different contests? Yeah, I mean, so so at max, this this mostly applies to smaller contests. Um, at at max, legally, the most number of entries that any one person can take up in a contest is three percent of the total entries. Right, so you'll never find a contest where you can take up more than three percent. And most of the contests in the lobby, you you take up even less than that. Right, you're not you're not even coming close to that in a mini max, for example, or for the flagship or something like that. Right, this is generally for for smaller contests and and smaller sports. Maybe you'll see that you can you can fill up your full like legal limit of three percent of entries in a contest. Um, the reason why you may not want to enter that much, right? I mean, there's a few. One is that you know your potential upside that you can gain is lower in terms of ROI. If you are filling up 3% of the total entries in the contest, right? The, the prize to first may be, you know, it may be only five, it may be only five X your total entry fees or something like that uh, compared to, you know, if you're playing the flagship and maxing it out, that's a, you know, 1000 X or a 100 X uh, outcome or something like that. Right. Um, the, the other component of that, and I guess it's kind of like, you know, kind of the same thing here, but uh your, your lineups start to compete with themselves at a certain point, especially in a really top heavy tournament, right? If like, uh, you know, the LPL league of legends contest last night, uh, the $15 was 20 K to first five K to second. Uh, and then it kind of fell off a cliff from there. Right. Well, if you max that out, right. I mean, only one lineup can take first. So, um, you know, there's a question of how many lineups do I want to, to put into play here, knowing that, you know, if I have one lineup in my pool of whatever the limit was, you know, 55 or something like that, that takes first, I have 54 other lineups, uh, that you're still paying the same entry fee, but now at best they can come in second and you have like, you're competing with yourself, uh, a little bit. So, um, anyway, those are kind of the reasonings here. I get at the end of the day, like in, in terms of, is there a heuristic of how many lineups to play? D different people have different numbers for me when I'm looking at some of the smaller field stuff. Uh, a lot of times I like 1% of the total entries in a contest as my soft maximum. Um, if I'm playing, if it's a contest that for some reason I feel like is really soft or, or I think I can beat or like, you know, sometimes the quarter jukebox, um, for like, baseball turbos might be 1400 lineups, but a 20 entry max, I'll typically just play the 20 entries into that. Like I'm not super concerned for that kind of contest, uh, about it, but I do use as a very rough rule of thumb here. Um, I use, uh, maximum 1% of the total entries in the contest. Um, another user, this question kind of came up similarly a couple weeks ago. And I had another user that told me, uh, what they did was they would not play, they would not play so many entries into a contest such that their what they were investing was more than 10th overall as the prize. Right. Um, so, um, that, that, what I found after like kind of digging into that a little bit more, that is a more conservative approach on average than what, than playing max 1%. Um, ultimately again, like you don't have to do this, right? Like, uh, no, I don't think there's any contest in the lobby that allows you to enter so many lineups such that it's, it's a bad idea to play more lineups, assuming that you are profitable in the sport and that contest, right? Um, you know, if you're unprofitable to sport, uh, no lineups playing, no lineups is the best decision. So assuming that you're like profitable plus EV, um, I don't think there's any contest in the lobby that it's going to like really hinder you more, like significantly hinder you by playing more lineups up to the entry limit max. Um, but top one, or I always say top 1%, 1% of the total entries in the contest is kind of a soft rule of thumb that I've used in the past. So.
So, um, okay, I'm going to hit, I know there's a question. Scott had asked me about best ball. Um, I'm happy to kind of just chat about best ball, but since that's not really uh, officially supported Saberson thing right now, I'm going to, I'm going to hit that at the end. Um, so let's go ahead here. We'll answer some other questions here first. Patrick says, does Saberson recognize bonus placement points or take into account when building lineups for round four showdown on DraftKings or PGA? Um, I would crush rounds one through three, but not four doing the same process. Uh, yes, it does. Um, and in fact, there is actually an old video up on our YouTube channel that you might found interesting. Max, uh, a couple years ago here, um, actually, wait, let's get our YouTube channel up here. Um, let's see if you search round four showdown. Um, yeah, there you go. So a year ago, so Max, Max actually walked through like how he uses, um, Saber Sam and some other tools to build round four showdown lineups, um, in, uh, using our tools. So I'd check this out. Um, some, some good tips in there. So, um, and then, okay. Uh, Patrick said the GBP sliders don't change for NASCAR and DraftKings when switching from single entry to 150 max. Um, if that's the case, shouldn't I just make one build with X amount of entries? I want, uh, unique lineups in every lineup. Well, if you want unique lineups into every entry, you should just do one build anyway. Um, the reason the sliders don't change at the moment is because we haven't had an opportunity to truly backtest them. Um, so the sliders are set right now, uh, basically at zero, zero, 10 for everything, which is going to be a, a single race simulation. Every lineup is optimized by a single race simulation, which is going to be pretty good, right? Because again, like, I mean, it's also a very high variance sport. Uh, one thing that's unique about NASCAR where simulations are very useful too, is like, you may have a situation where like, um, you know, like Martin Truex and Chase Elliott, right? Like they have a certain... And I, I don't even know what this race was. I don't know if this is like a really dominator heavy race or, or what, but they have a certain projection, right? And they have some certain chance of, of being optimal uh, in the optimal lineup. But in the way that the race actually plays out, like most of the time, it's probably more likely that one of those guys or the other is optimal, right? In other words, there probably some, maybe some negative correlation there going on just because the way a lot of those guys get their points is going to be leading a lot of laps, dominating the race, a lot of fastest laps, et cetera, Right. So it's, it's unlikely that they both are both. And if, even if they split it perfectly, it might even be more likely that some other play at a lower salary is the best way to, to build a lineup, right? So when you're building using simulations for, for NASCAR, you, you get to take advantage of those kinds of things. So you're going to get still very foundationally strong lineups for all different contests that you would play using 0010. But this is going to miss a little bit of nuance about what actually might be required to be successful in contests of different sizes. Um, as a very general trend, before we've had the opportunity to backtest this, if you are kind of like looking for maybe somewhat better sliders than what is up here, I, I think turning down, well, I would put it this way. I think using a higher sim precision and a higher ownership fade slider for larger field contests is a generally a good idea, right? Like, you know, I would not be surprised once we finally get the opportunity to backtest NASCAR lineups if the optimal 150 max, you know, 10 to 50K sliders are actually like here. And maybe the optimal single entry sliders uh, for a 500 person contest are like here or something like that, right? Where you don't need to get, you don't need to get, you don't need to fade the chalk as much. You don't need to get as diversified uh, in NASCAR for, for, for single entry stuff. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying use these and, and prosper, but that's kind of my intuitive sense of where the sliders might end up. The reason they're all set at where they're at for now, um, is because we haven't back tested them and we put them to basically just single race simulations for now, because they're going to be very good lineups, no matter what. 
uh, assuming you want unique lineups into every single entry you were playing though anyway, uh, you, you should build everything all in one build. So in that case, yeah, you know, maybe you have 185 total lineups. Um, you know, I would probably, if I were you, I would probably just use the defaults. I would use the single race simulation optimals, uh, build 185. I like to increase my pool size when I'm building more than 150 and I'd let it rip. That's what I would do. So, uh, Robert says, point me to documentation. Uh, is there an API available? No, there is not. Um, and we do not allow, um, any automated, uh, like use of SaberSim scripting, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I, there's situations where, you know, sometimes people build a script to go pull uh, a season's worth of MLB projections that puts a lot of load on our database and on our servers, slows down the experience for other users. Uh, so that kind of stuff is, is not allowed. So, um, uh, Robert, also to this kind of question, if you can generate 300,000 lineups outside of SaberSim, can I have it Saber scored somehow? Not, no. Um, not at least with this current version of the app, we are planning on, uh, without giving away too much, we are planning on developing more tools in the future for, I would say almost more enterprise type use. That's probably a bad word, but, um, you know, some, some, some maybe some new features geared at, um, players that are using SaberSim as maybe a part of a bigger process that maybe you've built yourself uh, or, um, you know, other things like that. Cause we know there, there are people out there um, that use SaberSim in that way, that maybe it's not the, the only way you're building lineups or the primary way that you're building lineups, but some or parts of the SaberSim process are, are used in your process. And we do want to add more tools to kind of help serve that. But uh, at the moment, um, everything, everything that you, would be doing using SaberSim as part of the lineup building process takes place within SaberSim, if that makes sense. So, um, okay, cool. Uh, and then I'm, I want to hit this question here uh, from Luke. Um, uh, would you even look at exposures if you were playing three lines in a hundred man or six in multiple hundred mans? Uh, probably not really. No. Um, like maybe, eh, no, honestly, I probably wouldn't. Right. I mean, and, and you can actually, you know, if you build lineups like these, you'll see typically, you know, the kinds of lineups that you get, and I'm not even going to build 500. I'm going to build a hundred here. The kinds of lineups that you, you would get for these are typically going to be like a very, very condensed pool of pitchers, probably the best available pitchers you can play. Uh, typically some bats from some of the best best overall hitting spots on the slate. And then the lineups will vary from one another by either like varying the minor stack or maybe using a couple different hitters or like the differences between these lineups are not that different. You really can't, when you're just playing this many, this few lineups, three lineups, six lineups, something like that, there's really a limit to the extent to which you can even really diversify, right? Like, I guess, let me put it another way these are not the contests where you should really be trying to diversify, right? This is your options to, to, to really heavily diversify three lineups are, are pretty limited, right? Uh, so I typically don't worry about it. Now in 150 lineups with way, with way just more lineups available to you, I will diver, diversify quite a bit, right? And I'll look at exposures and make sure that I'm comfortable because I'm, you know, 10% of 150 lineups is 15 unique lineups, 
right? 10% of three lineups isn't even a, a discrete number, right? It wouldn't even really make sense, right? So um, short answer, no, I, I don't really, if I were playing one, if I were playing less than, I would say anything less than 10 or so lineups, maybe five or so lineups, I'm probably not really concerned about exposures from the standpoint of managing risk and diversifying. Now, I may still look at my exposures to make some strategic decisions, right? Like I might look at this and say, well, you know, the Braves are probably going to be like one of, if not the chalkiest stack on the slate. There's a lot of other ways to go. I'm going to just, I'm just not even going to stack the Braves and I'm going to just like try to play different lineups or something like that, right? Um, And maybe go that way. Um, And in that way, I'm kind of looking at exposures, but not from the standpoint of diversification. So. Um, okay, this brings us to question from Scott here. This is kind of a fun one, um, at least fun to to talk about here. Um, he said, just curious, this NFL best ball seems to be getting bigger every year. Does Saberson have any best ball support coming up in the near future? Drafts are starting to heat up. Not in the near future. Um, definitely nothing for this season. I do think, you know, it would be a lot of fun, I think, for us to come up with some support for best ball, especially with how big it's gotten. Right. I mean, I, un, I know underdogs best ball mania is 2 million to first. I, I don't even think there will be a single DFS contest for the entire season that has a 2 million prize to first. Um, plus it's a million to second and a million for the highest regular season score. So like as $4 million just going to presumably th- what three, three different people uh and then there's the rest of the prize structure from there like it's just a massive contest it's probably the massive the biggest fantasy football contest of the year um so with that said i think doing some best ball contest content or not even content support like actual app support could be really really cool um so uh we won't be able to do that this year um that's just a much bigger project than something that we would probably be able to spin up in two months um but um, yeah, I, I I I think it sounds really cool. Um, with that said, I think you can still kind of like use the saber sim method, I guess, um, you know, as a way of influencing the way that you think about best ball, right? Um, you know, particularly, I think you can kind of think about like, well, let me think about the right way to say this. Um, let me see if I can pull up a slate here. I think at a baseline, like one thing you can do is to kind of think about like what would be implied about what, what would it take to be successful in a DFS contest of that size, right? Like what do the sliders look like for a, um, have some old rules in here. What do the sliders look like for a contest of the underdog size, right? We would want to build a highly correlated lineup, right? Uh, we would want to build a lineup that has pays some mind to ownership fade, right? There would be a benefit to being different, to drafting differently uh, than the average person drafting in your spot is going to draft, right? Uh, and there would be a big benefit to like diversifying and hope, hoping and looking for upside outcomes, right? That's essentially kind of what the Sim Precision Slider does. Um, now, again, there's a lot of best ball specific. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of... Um, like basketball specific stuff out there that um, 
it's kind of hard to get really into deep because we don't have the tools set up for it. Like when you're talking about correlation, right? Stacking is still important. Uh, but then you get into things like, you know, game stacking for particular weeks, right? Like if you're, if you follow the best ball stuff, uh, you probably hear a lot about the week 17 correlation, right? The final week of the season, if you've made it that far, uh, building lineups that potentially stand to be correlated in the most important week when you get a lineup to that point, right? So uh, you can kind of think about correlation that way. Um, I think you can also, you know, kind of come at it from the standpoint, uh, thinking about your exposures, right? That you're having to certain players in the same way that you think about your uh, DFS exposures, right? Like you might have a guy ranked five spots above, but if you have 80% of that guy already and 0% of the guy, you know, that's ranked a little bit lower, stands to, to diversify, right? That would be something that would kind of naturally show up in your lineups if we could essentially simulate out the season, right? Like you could, you would actually, you could potentially draft players at the rate at which they are optimal for different outcomes, right? Like I think there's a lot of cool things to do with it. So anyway, um, I, I don't have much more to say on it right now. I think given the size of best ball, I think it would be an interesting direction for us to go. Um, but it's such a dramatic pivot from DFS, right? That it, it, I, I can't, I can't make any promises at the moment. So, um, Patrick, you're going to be disappointed. Guarantee a college football for support this season at the opposite. Uh, actually, unfortunately, um, we did not have time to dive into college football this summer, working on things on our baseball model and then already getting ramped up here for NFL, uh, among other things we were trying to do with getting like tennis out for Wimbledon and different things like that. Um, so college support, college sports support, uh, we are looking at, at 2023 now for both football and basketball, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, we were able to get tennis out. We're already started on some improvements to the NFL model. We've been working hard on the baseball model. So, uh, a lot of cool things going on on the model side, just college sports are going to have to, to be pushed out. So, uh, looks like Ryan's limited bet four home run props. Uh, three unders too bad. The book only allows me to bet $25 on props. Now, at least the line sucks. So we'll probably profit today. Yeah. It's, uh, I think prop betting is as much, uh, about picking good props to bet, uh, as it is about figuring out how you are going to avoid getting limited. Um, so, uh, for what it is worth, um, I have had decent success, uh, capping my bet size, um, to max win, uh, a hundred dollars. Um, at least in Colorado with the books that I have here, um, I've basically just, as, as my bankroll has grown, I've basically refused to exceed that at least so far. Uh, and I haven't really had a hint that anything's getting limited for me so far. Um, so I would maybe give that a try. You know, it means it's a little bit harder to, um, make as much money quickly, but then you have those options available to you to continue making money for longer. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know for what it's worth. I've been doing that since basketball now here. Um, and it has been pretty consistently successful. So, uh, but Neil says, can't wait for NFL. Me too. I I'm so excited for some reason. Uh, the last major of the year for golf, whenever the, the open wraps, it always makes me start thinking football. It just feels like the next thing, right? Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm starting to get pretty excited. So I was doing a little bit of um, 
doing a little bit of uh, my like home league fantasy football setup this morning, um, getting some of the, the the wheels turning on that, which is always pretty exciting. I will probably, I haven't done any best ball drafts yet, but I will probably start diving into the best ball streets here uh, in a bit, um, which is something that I think is, is fun every year. Uh, haven't decided really what I want to play yet. I think uh, one thing that's really cool, DraftKings has single entry best ball this year, uh, which I think is pretty cool. I think that's kind of an interesting strategy. I'm very interested to see how people draft when they only have a single bullet to do it. I feel like those are going to be some of the softest best ball contests in the lobby, uh, but I haven't figured out exactly how I want to think about my strategy for that yet, but uh, that that seems cool. And then, of course, DFS coming right around the corner. So um, very excited as well. Patrick says, uh, MLB has to do better with their postponement announcement. The Birds and Reds was postponed five minutes prior to lock even though first pitch was an hour later, didn't give anyone time to rebuild with the rest of the games. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think, I, I frankly don't think that the MLB uh, nor the, the Cardinals or Reds organizations have any idea what time baseball DFS lock is, nor do they give like a shit about it at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sure they felt like they were uh, doing their due diligence, uh, giving that notice out, you know, an hour before first pitch of that game. Um, so, um, I don't know. I, I I think I think there are things the leagues can do to like you know help support uh, like the sports betting and DFS industries. Um, and I think you know especially leagues like the NFL, you know, really becoming aware of that now of how much uh, I I don't know. Like even like ten years ago, even like fantasy football was kind of like a joke from the perspective of the NFL and like NFL broadcasts. And now it's perfectly integrated. Like you watch a touchdown and the, it'll pop up on the screen. It'll be like, well, uh, Deandre Hopkins scored 16 points on that play. Right. Like it's, they, there's clearly a move towards, and, and you'll see sometimes like spreads and totals and stuff like that on ESPN now, which, which never happened a few years ago. Um, so I think there is a, a movement towards embracing the, the, the sports betting audience because these leagues are starting to learn how, you know, much of a factor that is. And I know like the NBA, I think a big reason that they are pushing for confirmed starting lineups earlier and better and better injury reports is because of how much it affects uh, the NBA sports betting world um, and DFS world. I, I really probably more the sports betting world um, and how big their, their audience share is from people that are gambling on the game. Uh, but I think we are a long way away from uh, the, uh, the Cardinals postponing their game uh, with a with an eye towards letting everybody playing baseball DFS that day have time to b- rebuild their lineups. So, um, but the good news is if you were using SaberSim, uh, as I was, and trying to navigate that swap at the very last second, it was very easy, even if you had a build that was all the way done to just X all Cardinals and all Reds right at the last second and just from a build, since it was pre-lock, from a given build and just remove them all at once um, and still play good lineups. So. Josh says, why is Adam still on Green Bay? This is our week one of 2021. So this is last season, not this season. Um, we uh, we do not have uh, our week one projections out for this season just yet. So um, a few things, if you need a few things from, uh, from the sites, I guess probably would be the big thing first, uh, getting those salaries out before we can start to, to put that kind of stuff up. So. Um, cool. Any other questions here for me today before we, uh, start to wrap up? I know, uh, kind of a, kind of a slower week, I guess. Um, 
a lot of times. Good little break. No baseball, but at least, I mean, you know, there's, there's the all-star game and um, home run derby and things like that to, to bet on or play a little uh, DFS for a fun sweat, but no uh, no real baseball until Thursday here. The one thing that is nice is we have like, we should have a real Thursday slate. Uh, there's last year, um, it was just a showdown, the Red Sox Yankees showdown uh, that, that returned from the all-star break. Um, I think we should have a real slate on Thursday, at least a three gamer. Uh, and then a big slate on Friday coming out of this. So, um, but I don't see any other questions coming in. So we will start to wrap up there as always. If this is your first time watching uh, office hours or you otherwise just aren't already signed up with SaberSim, uh, you can sign up for free on our site, seven day trial, SaberSim.com. Um, I would say probably wait till Thursday or Friday to sign up this week. Uh, just so you get the opportunity to try it out for a full seven days with a real full seven days of, of baseball, at least. Um, but you, you get a, a no strings attached free trial there. Um, I will most likely um, be. Uh, what is what is Ryan talking? I'm, now I'm confused. Um, Ryan says the game didn't even happen. Oh, did it? Did it not? What are you talking about? Now I'm confused. You've, you've piqued my curiosity here. Uh, and then Patrick also said Shohei listed as a pitcher or batter. I don't know. Um, somebody else probably knows the answer better than I do. Let's see. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It got postponed, right? I think I remember that. I remember that now. It got rained out. <laughs> I remember that. Um, it looks like... Uh, Shohei will be a hitter for the all-star game, at least on DK. So first base outfield eligible hitter. So um, I forgot about that. It did not happen. I remember that. Anyway, um, I will, uh, last note I was going to make, this will probably be uh, the last stream until Wednesday of this week. Um, I am in the midst of trying to uh, sell a condo and supposed to, if everything goes well, close on that tomorrow, uh, which will knock me out of the normal office hours time slot. Um, barring something unexpected happening, um, this will probably be probably be no stream tomorrow. So I'll be back on Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, in the meantime, enjoy the home run derby. If I don't see you guys until then, enjoy the all-star game as well. Uh, and we will be right back here again on Wednesday uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, thanks. Good luck and see ya.